Hi friend, do you want to experience more energy, vitality, and flow in your life? Well, be sure to go to findyourflow.com forward slash shop and check out the supplement section. We have all of your favorites back in stock. Vegan Vitality and Vegan Powder Protein are two of the favorites that go very quickly. So if you're into protein and vitality, be sure to check those out. And now on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Find Your Flow radio show podcast. I'm your host, Winston Wittis, and I'm here today with a very special episode. Today's episode is about how to take calculated risk. How to take calculated risk is a an exciting topic for me, and um, I will uh, go on record saying I am not a risk taker. I am not a gambler. I do not like risk. However, I do take risks, as I think we all do at some level, whether we're aware of it or not. Even playing it safe is in some ways taking a risk. You're risking that the, you know, the opportunity cost of whatever it is, the thing that you're not doing. So um, I'm going to, in case you're new to the show, I'm going to do a quick uh, public service announcement. So I drive many times while I'm doing the show because it gets my mind flowing and it's a good way for me to to get in the flow, which is a big part of this whole show. So the public service announcement is to please use your turn signal. Using your blinker can be an automated thing, can happen on autopilot if you practice it, right? It becomes just another part of driving, and it signals to the world your intentions, and it, it signals to other drivers on the road where you intend to go with your life and your vehicle, and then it allows others to plan accordingly. And so it keeps us all safer and more flowing, and it's free, and it's the law probably too where you are. So there you go. Okay, taking risks in a calculated way. I saw, I guess one thing that made me think of this topic was I saw I was reading something and it was talking about like, oh, it was on, I was on Instagram, you know, just scrolling through stuff. And I see, you know, I subscribe to a bunch of different um, wealth, wealth type themed Instagram uh, people, right? And I read these ones posted, you know, about wealth and entrepreneurship and money and in some of these things I'm like okay you know like okay that's like I, I kind of get what they're saying um, but then other things it's like yeah I totally disagree with that not totally but a little bit so I saw this um, this one post yesterday and it was like you know you should be an entrepreneur if you do these things or like people who do these things become entrepreneurs or something along those lines and I was reading through, and, you know, there's a cool little infographic, and it had some that made sense, and then it had others that were just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I mean, yeah, maybe that's an attribute that some entrepreneurs express, but I don't think that's like what makes somebody an entrepreneur. And so one of them was like, takes risks. You love to take risks. And it's like, no, I don't think that's. I don't. <laughs> uh, that that isn't not not accurate as far as I'm concerned. I don't think that entrepreneurs like to take risks for the most part. I'm sure. Are there some who like to take risks? Yeah, I'm sure there are. However, I think that it's misinterpreted by mainstream folks that they look at somebody who's doing something entrepreneurial and say like, oh, 
Well, look how risky that is. They went out on their own. They invested all their money into this thing that wasn't proven, and uh, that's very risky, which I, I can understand that perspective, right? And I would say that for many entrepreneurs, it's calculated risk because especially if they're already successful, you know, it, then it's kind of a proven thing. If it's not, see, the whole, the, even the word entrepreneur is the, to be in front of, right? It's the force that goes up before the whole troops that is uh, kind of paving the way in a sense and seeing what's coming down the way here so that they can, the, everybody else can be prepared. And so it's the, the front guard, okay? And... So it is, by definition, almost, I believe, unproven and untested waters. That's what the entrepreneur is doing. They're going out ahead of the curve, testing things out, building it, putting their own money at stake, putting their money where their mouth is to test these things, and then build something that nobody else has done before. And so is there risk in that? Yes, there is, right? But again, I would, I would argue that few entrepreneurs – go out with the attention of looking for risk. If anything, they're looking to take calculated risk based on where they see the opportunity, right? Because there's this opportunity for a big upside. and But there's also an opportunity for a downside, to lose your initial investment, to lose the time, money, and energy that you're investing in whatever project or enterprise you're going after. So it's got to be worth it. Right, the the opportunity for the win has to outweigh the risk, and I believe that many, at least many of the entrepreneurs that I know, they they're well aware of that. You know, they they know that there's risk, and yet there's also a risk in not doing it. Right, in the playing it safe, it's like okay, well, I could just go get this day job, or I could just keep doing what I'm doing and not growing. But then there's risk that things are going to change. The economy is going to change. The market's going to change and they'll be stuck high and dry. So there's a risk in not doing anything as well. And that one is maybe less obvious to people that are, you know, maybe have a secure job or have been working in the same job or same industry for many years. It may seem way more risky from that perspective to be changing things or to jump into this other thing or to put a lot of money into something. So the risk is it is important it's a part of the whole process and i've been reading a great book just finished a great book called um great by choice jim collins recent i recently read uh good to great and so another one of his books maybe it's good to great and now uh, this one and so this idea of luck is uh, a big theme in this book and they compared companies that were, you know, that very similar companies. They had similar resources, started around the same time, and uh, were relatively close with all things considered. And then there was this factor of luck. And how much did this good luck or bad luck factor into their overall success? Some companies became great, other companies kind of suffered and even, you know, went out of business and went on. So what separated them? Was it luck? So this study goes through and tries to determine how much did luck play 
a factor in the greatness of these companies and the failure of the other companies, good luck and bad luck. And so what they found was that the good luck was some companies took advantage of it, other companies didn't. And the bad luck, some companies were not prepared for the downturn. They were overextended or just, uh, you know, not just not ready for whatever reason. And the bad luck totally knocked them down, maybe even knocked them out. Whereas with the comparison companies, the companies that became great, the bad luck, sometimes they even took that and turned it into a positive. They learned something from it. They buckled down. They improved as a result of that bad luck. So some companies took the lemons, lemons and made lemonade, right? While the other companies just went out of business or, you know, something didn't, didn't pull it off. So that was a pretty interesting thing. So this idea of um, risk... You know, they also found that, oh, did these companies take huge risks? You know, the companies that became great, did they take, because especially in, uh, here in the West, in the United States, there's a lot of, the companies that get a lot of media play tend to be focused on these big extravagant things, right? If you watch the news, you think like, oh, you got to do this big, crazy innovation or risk to, uh, to make it. You know, Elon Musk put all his money into SpaceX, right? And, um, you know, just all these kind of things. And it's like, yeah, he did. And I'm not trying to talk for him. <laughs> but why does that grab? I mean, it's huge, obviously, right? It's huge. Private space flight. Okay, great. Well, that's a, a big risk, maybe, right? From our perspective, if we don't know what's going on. But from his perspective, he probably knows that we're going to get there someday it's the next stage in our evolution so it's only a matter of time in a sense so maybe from his perspective it's much less of a risk than sitting on the sidelines and not getting involved at all with you know with his um, knowledge so that's the kind of risk that i'm talking about here is being aware of and so let's talk about another example so real estate so one thing i've learned uh in the last few weeks as i've learned a lot more about commercial real estate investing is when offering an investment opportunity to investors, being able to show them, here's the potential return on your investment with this investment vehicle, this real estate, piece of real estate, versus the opportunity cost of whatever it is you're already investing in. So if you have your money in stocks and bonds and you're getting a 6% interest uh, return year over year, that is your opportunity cost if you move your money out of that stock, right? Because you're already getting that, so anything has to be compared against that. Now, there's also level of risk, right? If you're in a blue chip stock and it's uh, pretty consistent, you know, some big company that's been around for years and years and it's relatively safe and unchanging for the most part, that might be considered very low risk. So you get pretty low risk and you get a, you know, a decent return better than the bank. Okay. Boom. Now here's this, uh, real estate investment and the internal rate of return or the yearly annualized return might be uh, 10% or more. So somebody presents this to uh, the same investor says, Hey, look over here, you could get 10%. Let's say 12%, double your money, double your return. But, 
there's a little bit different risk level, right? Because, um, you know, this, well, how do we assess the risk? Well, that's kind of part of up to uh, your due diligence as an investor. What's the risk? Well, the, the real estate market could tank, right? Or maybe um, rents, you know, maybe the major employer in that area leaves and now all the people you're expecting to rent your building have to go elsewhere for work. So you have an empty building, right? So there's different risks associated with this real estate opportunity maybe than with the stock market. But if somebody's doing their due diligence, they could point all the stuff out. No, actually, you know, big employers are moving into this area. More and more people are starting to move in. Demand is going up. There's not enough uh, housing. We're, they're building new housing. You've got it. This is a brand new building. This is uh, already a rented even. It's already cash flowing. But there's room for improvement. You could uh, rehab these units and charge more rent. And so you could actually improve the building, reposition it over the next five years. And uh, we've got a steady plan for doing that. We've got a track record for doing that. And now you're earning 12% year over year on average. So is there still risk? Yeah, but the risk, uh, the opportunity risk is 6%. Now you've got the opportunity to double it. And if you're doing your homework, then you see, well, yeah, this looks solid. It looks like uh, all this information is correct. Looks like there, these trends are happening. And so then you may realize, okay, well, there is risk, but there's always risk. There's risk of staying in the stock market, staying in the stocks. You know, the stocks crash too. And things change, right? Circumstances, economy, trends. So there's, so your 6% is also at some level of risk. Maybe you might perceive it lower, but then after doing your homework, you may realize, oh my gosh, this real estate deal looks uh, pretty solid. And so what's the opportunity cost of sitting in the stock market when there's this opportunity presented itself to you over in the real estate sector? So risk starts to take on different meanings depending on kind of what we're looking at and how we're assessing it. And so calculating that risk is, you know, part of our education as investors is what are we, how do we assess risk? And at what point does it make more sense to, you know, to change or move than to stay doing the same thing, that opportunity cost? So those are some of the big concepts I want to just touch on, touch on today is um, this idea of risk because I see it out there, and that's not the first time I've seen a post kind of like that, but it's just one of those things I guess I kind of want to clear up. You know, people see sometimes the things that – I'm doing or like I don't now I've got a, a relatively stable day job and I haven't really had like a full-time day job ever <laughs> at least not since I was a kid and um and so there's on the one hand it's like way less risky than what I was doing which was just full-time entrepreneur doing all these different crazy things um you know teaching part-time at this school doing private lessons over here, doing DJ gigs over there, doing real estate on the side, and all these things, you know, making a living. And my risk, in a sense, was kind of spread out because if, you know, when the school year ends, well, gosh, now all of a sudden I don't have any students to teach. And so I would take on a lot more gigs. I would do more real estate. And it would always kind of all balance out. Because I had my risk, my in, my income streams diversified in a sense, and now I still I still do, but I have a lot more percentage of my income, my earned income coming from consulting, 
And so, so that is in a sense riskier for me. And at the same time, it's also built around a, a big machine of uh, business, a big business, big businesses together, working together cooperatively that provide me for my job. So there, there is still risk though. There's fluctuations, right? There's sales, there's uh, holidays, there's these things that affect my, my income. And so if I were to put all my eggs in my, this one basket of consulting, then I am, even though it's like a quote unquote safe kind of job in a sense, it's also things are always changing and I have to be ready for that. Right. So I have, I still take DJ gigs. I still have, um, my other streams of income that I'm working on. So I'm doing real estate. So on the one hand, parts of it may look risky, but on the other hand, there's a risk in thinking that it's just going to always be okay. I'm always going to have this nice job to uh, fall back on. Right. So that's a risk in itself. And that's the risk that I think a lot of people get caught up in thinking they're playing it safe is this day job, maybe a corporate job or just a day job um, that is providing well and you're comfortable and safe. And, you know, people do this for many years and then all of a sudden there's a restructuring or, you know, layoffs or downturn or whatever. And all of a sudden this safe job, you know, isn't, isn't there anymore. And, uh, that is, that is a risk that a lot of people take without realizing it. And so having a side hustle, having some other stream of income that you're generating or passive income that you're generating is, in my opinion, really important. And so I encourage people who don't have a, a side hustle or some other kind of stream of income to think about that and think about the, the risk you're taking by not having that, by not building some other kind of nest egg or, you know, income stream in that, in that way. So that's where we're going to end it for today, friend. I hope that makes some sense for you. I hope that provides some value for you. And uh, until next time, be flowing. Hi, friend, Winston here. Thank you for listening to the Find Your Flow podcast. I really appreciate you spending time here. So I want to hook you up with some free stuff from the Find Your Flow shop and uh, some awesome discounts. So go ahead over to findyourflow.com forward slash podcast VIP. That's podcast VIP as in very important person as you are to me for being a subscriber to the podcast on your favorite listening station such as iTunes or Spotify or whatever. And I appreciate you so much for for listening go there put in your name and email address findyourflow.com forward slash podcast vip and i will send you some cool stuff thank you again friend for listening take care and back to the show hey thanks for listening friend by the way do you like essential oils me too did you know you can go to findyourflow.com forward slash shop and pick up some essential oils? Yeah, get them while they're going. And until next time, friend, be flowing.